to the St. Joseph Radio Presents live program broadcasting to you from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. The program that for over 30 years has brought you eloquent speakers from across the globe to help explain, clarify, and evangelize the Catholic faith. Our program covers a variety of topics relating to current issues and occurrences in our daily lives. Now, with the aid of technology, we are able to bring the gospel message to the four corners of the world, where Christ himself did say, those who have ears ought to hear. It is our hope at St. Joseph Radio that through these programs, we can help evangelize the world and change one soul at a time. Now, here is your host to introduce today's guest and topic. Well, thank you, Matt. That was Matt Lagerman, and I am Peter Karutz, your host for today. And we are on the radio live here in St. Louis, Missouri. This is St. Joseph Radio Presents, and we have our recurring guest, Mr. I almost called you Doctor again, Mueller, but we call you Miller, right? <laughs> the DR is for DRE, not the doctor's part. So ah, well, you know what? <clears throat> I, I had someone ask me the other day, they said, what's a DRE? I just threw it out there like everybody knows. So. Director of Religious Education. So it's at, a, uh, at, my, I'm at the parish at Immaculate Mary in New Melly. Uh-huh. I've been there for about 20-something years. Have you really? Yeah. So I started out there working with youth. Now I'm kind of um, just in charge of kind of helping out with faith formation, helping the, the priests to um, do what we can to educate and form and, and guide and, God willing, help each other reach their goal, which is kind of the topic I'm going to try to talk about today. That's good. But we got to do something else first. I didn't warn you. But we have this little tradition when we, uh, what is what do the Benedictines say? Every good work starts with prayer. So would you uh, start us off with a prayer? Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about um, this spirit-filled life and how to live a plan. And it's going to be using this acronym of SPIRE, which really is where we get the word breath from. So oh. I'm really going to be calling on the Holy Spirit in this talk and um, asking him to both bless our words and then also for all those who hear them. And so I have a little prayer here that I want to start with. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father, anoint and stir within me and all who hear these words, your Holy Spirit. Give to this conversation what you gave at Pentecost, the ability to speak and to hear this in a language that transcends mere nature, one that will resonate in hearts and minds. For young and old, wherever one is at in life, whether close or far away from you, help us all, Lord, to be a light in your light, shining through the darkness, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. So the name of the program, I, you know, the short one is Spire, but the longer one is How to Live a Good Catholic Life, or maybe we'll, a guide, maybe. Yeah, so one of the things I like to do is that you've got this orchard of the Catholic faith, and there's so much. And every year, like I teach RCA, and we have these faith formation classes, like how do you make the orchard down into an orange juice glass? So to try and summarize, synthesize it. And so like uh, for years, I've been thinking about trying to do memory aids, because number one, I'm kind of clueless when it comes to remembering all this stuff. If you can have it kind of these bite-sized formulas, it's nice. So I put together this memory aid called SPIRE, S-P-I-R-E, which stands for the Spiritual, Physical, Intellectual, Relational, Evangelical. If you think about our mission plan in life, like first of all, you know, one of my favorite texts in scripture is what we read as a family every week. It's Colossians chapter three, where it begins, you know, set your minds on things that are above. So you think about what a spire is, you know, a church spire, yeah. right? All of us probably saw the great spire of Notre Dame during the fire fall, but this thing, thing was to point up, to point us to heaven, to get our minds on things that are above. So these kind of five little, uh, 
you know, pieces of this memory are meant to kind of help us to point up, to live in time and in an eternity. So, so God willing, you know, like um, my goal is DRE. It's kind of like John the Baptist. I just try to point to the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God. He must increase. I must decrease. So when it comes to spiritual, physical, he must increase. I must decrease. So that's kind of the game plan is to just ponder uh, these five points and to point ourselves up to make a practical plan each day to live life. So like one of the things I do is um, frequently I wake up, get out the note card, write S-P-I-R-E, and then think about the day. And then how am I going to do this today? You know, so when you think about well, like, first of all, the sources, where am I getting all this stuff from? So this is from kind of my life of just reading from catechism, scriptures, apparitions, Matthew Kelly books, Dr. Peter, doctors of the church, all these things. I'm trying to put it together. And But I, I want to kind of draw particularly on uh, some of what Matthew Kelly has written. So mm-hmm. many people here are familiar with his book, Four Signs of a Dynamic Catholic. That's so basically, right. that whole premise of the book was that you think about who's really doing the work in the church. They say about 7%, you would say, are what are called dynamic Catholics, highly engaged. And so he says, what kind of are the characteristic marks of these 7%? And he said, really, out of all the things, four things stand out, four pegs. And I put this in an acronym of pegs, P-E-G-S, prayer, evangelization, generosity, and study. And and so <clears throat> the, the big premise is, what's the purpose of life? And it's... Fundamentally, as he puts it in secular terms, it's to become the best version of yourself. Really, in sacred terms, that's to become holy, to become all that we were meant to be in him, with him, and through him. So that's a central point. And then I think back to the great scripture where that scribe comes up to the Lord, and he's wanting to know like the purpose of life, and how do I live a life, what's yeah. eternal life? And he says, what is the greatest of the commandments? And then we know what the Lord said. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. So when you think about heart, soul, mind, strength, I thought, wow, that fits good with spire, you know, spiritual, physical, intellectual, relational, evangelical. How do we love the Lord and love our neighbor? This is a great way. So just kind of a, a, a quick little summary. So for instance... Spiritual, you know, um, daily life, entering into the classroom of silence, you know, uh, attending mass, listening to God's word, physical, you know, what are we doing for exercise or keeping our kind of our, our, our body fit, having energy, intellectual, you know, about reading good books, relational, spending carefree timelessness with uh, significant persons in our life and uh, evangelical. Really, if we love the Lord, then it should overflow. You know, this is good news. Uh, it's challenging news, but love overflows. It's just like I always say, if a person uh, is engaged with someone and you're at a family event, you wouldn't say, uh, hey, honey, would you stay in the car? I'm going to go in there. They don't really know you yet, so I'm afraid to talk about you. Just stay here, and I'm going to have a good time. <laughs> it's like, absurd, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, you're like, no, this is the one whom I love. So anyways, love of God overflows in a love of neighbor. Yeah. And if we don't love our neighbor whom we do see, how can we love God whom we don't? Right. So my plan is to kind of go through um, each of these five points, getting your wisdom and input. Because one of the things I love about Matthew Kelly and, you know, the speakers you guys have on here and all the stuff is that, that we've got wisdom for our times. You know, we're big on like knowledge and trivia and knowing stuff and data. And you're like, okay, that's all good. But if you don't have wisdom to kind of guide it, right. to aspire, to point it, then what's the purpose? To win a trivia contest? Trivia. It's all just trivia. Meaningless. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think there's got to be something um, where we have a kind of a concrete plan 
it's organized in wisdom and love through the history of the church and all these great books and writers. Here we go. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about Spire and yeah. how a, a, a good guide to becoming the best person we should be. Right. At the end of the day, yeah. to become holy, to become yeah. like Christ, to love what he loves, to hate what he hates, to try and become uh, truly in his image and likeness more fully. So... So, like, if we start off with uh, just spiritual, right? So that really encompasses the whole of one's spiritual life, the God-given life, the life of grace. You think about, you know, we're a new creation in Christ. Uh, His spirit is the new law of love working in us. It's something different than just our soul or our body. This is a spirit life. So this, this would encompass all of the moral life, the commandments, the sacraments, the life of grace. You know, and, and I think just... You know, to get to, to cut to the chase, it really begins with kind of a cultivation of of silence. If you want to think about what a spiritual life is, you first got to kind of know who you are, what you're seeking, and to put yourself in a more of an awareness of the presence of God. And and I got a little story here about um, someone who's trying to cultivate silence. So this is a, a story called The Bear and the Atheist. I don't know if you've heard this before. No, but basically, no. there was a philosophy teacher, and he was a Melvin atheist. You know, he shattered the faith of all these college kids who came through his doors. And it was really sad. So, um, but you know, one time on a summer break, he went to get a little silence himself, take a little vacation hike through the woods. Well, lo and behold, he's walking along and he hears a rustling in the bushes behind him. He turns and looks and what is it? It's a grizzly bear (laughs) and it's charging toward him and it's bearing down fast. He's running. He's looking over his shoulder. The bear is close upon him. Well, lo and behold, he trips and falls. He rolls over to pick himself up and sees that the bear's right on top of him with his right paw ready to strike. At that instance, what does he do? He cries out, oh, my God, help me. Time stops. The bear froze. The forest was silent. Bright light shines upon the man, and a voice from the heavens was heard. You deny the existence of the Creator for all these years, leading so many of my children into confusion, doubt, and despair. You blaspheme the name of the Lord on countless occasions, and now you call out to it? Are you now to be counted as a believer? The atheist looked directly into the light and said, yes. It would be hypocritical of me to suddenly ask you to treat me as a believer now in this time of crisis. But perhaps in your greatness and power, you could maybe make the bear a believer? (laughs) A few slow seconds followed. Suddenly the light disappeared. The sounds of the forest resumed. All seemed to return to normal. Whereupon the bear dropped his right paw, crossed himself and said, Bless us, O Lord, and these oh! are gifts which I'm about to receive. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. Well, no, so I, I that is <laughs> the uh, if you recognize the meal prayer there, you recognize as a Catholic, you know that a lot of times people's <laughs> prayer lives really end there. Like if you say, "Do you pray with your family?" They say, "Well, yeah, we say grace." Well, do you pray with your family? Well, like I said, we say grace. It's like, well, no, is prayer um, just a formula ritual for you at these times, or is it something more? Is it just a parachute for you in times of crisis like this guy, or is it truly a relationship? When you think about the spiritual life, at the end of the day, this is what what, what prayer is. It's it's a relationship with God. It's a lifting of the heart and mind to God. Uh, ultimately, it's, it's conversation yeah. with Christ. You know, we want to be united with the one that we love. One of the... F- First times I was a guest on this program, first or second, third, something like that, uh, the program was called Finding the Way to Holiness. And we had somebody call in and we said, what, what are your ways? What are, you know, tell us about how, what your disciplines are. How do you mm-hmm. find your way? And he said he went in, uh, to a monk uh, at a monastery out of the blue. 
because he had no spiritual life and he had no, and he says, well, this is where I got to go to get it. Mm-hmm. So the monk sent him, uh, didn't say much to him. He says, sent him out into the garden. He says, I want you to spend 10 minutes walking around in the garden. I don't want you to think about anything, pray about anything, do anything. Just walk there and listen. Yeah. Be in, as you said, in silence. Mm-hmm. He came back, I think, 20 or 30 minutes later, and he says, I lost track of time. And then, the monk, and then what this man said is, now that's what I do. I take some time to be silent. And yeah. he says, now it's 45 minutes. Silence is, um, again, the monk uh, Benedictine says, the first, rule, the first rule of the Benedicts is silence. Yeah. Well, we're in a culture, don't you think, of massive distraction of noise and toys? There is no and, silence. Yeah. And it really, it's it, silence is one of the language of it, one of the languages of God. I mean, C.S. Lewis said that you know God whispers to us in our pleasures, He speaks to us in silences, and He shouts to us in our sufferings. You know, yeah. and he, he He talks about suffering and pain as it could be a, a means to come back to God. But I want to just think about this cultivation of silence and, and prayer. I mean, really, the first step of prayer is is just do it. Uh, just do it. You know, just do it. Whether you feel, don't feel, you know, Matthew Kelly's got a great point, which is about kind of prayer and exercise and all things that are kind of tough or maybe you don't like at first. It's not how you feel before that makes a difference. It's how you feel afterwards. Who wants to exercise? Who always naturally feels like, oh, hey, I want to wake up and and pray for an hour or whatever. You got to say, who gives a rip? Is this the right thing to do? And so then it's in after you do it, you're like, yeah. It's like anytime anybody's ever exercised, probably they're like, yeah, I don't want to do this. I mean, Father Tom and I joke at the parish, like he, you know, he's trying to do some exercise and he hates the treadmill. <laughs> I always kind of make fun of him. He's like a gerbil in the cage, you know, running on the treadmill. I hate also, it too. <laughs> you know, but you're like, but when you're done, you're like, yeah, yeah, you know. So when it comes time for prayer, this is this is good stuff. Now there, there is there is such a rich tradition in the church's life on on prayer. But you know, bottom line, when a person is spiritually healthy, nothing bothers us. That's what, what uh, Matthew Kelly says in his in his book there. So he 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 talks about just a, a prayer routine and what some people do. He said that dynamic Catholics, they've got a routine within their routine. So they sit down and pray each day. They don't just see what happens. They've got a routine. So they tend to begin their time of prayer in very specific ways. They might read the Bible. They might pray morning prayers of the church. They might read from a favorite spiritual book. But they always begin their day with some type of prayer, even if the main time they set aside for prayer is later in the day. So, you know, you think about in the devotional life, we've got the morning offering. We really mm-hmm. give your day to God. Many people often go to morning mass. That's that's a beautiful thing. Um, Eucharistic adoration. One person asked me once, like, what's what's my favorite type of prayer? I'm like, well, of course it's adoration because it's I'm in the presence of the Lord. I don't really have to do or say much. I'm just there. It's not like being in the presence of the Son. You're getting tander or something's yeah. happening to you whether you realize it or not when so. i was a boy my mom kept it really simple she says the f- last thing you should do before you go to sleep is make the sign of the cross and the first thing you ought to do when your eyes open or you start realizing you've come out of dreamland is make the yeah. sign of the cross make yeah. the sign of the cross Absolutely. it's something so i want to just uh, remind everybody that this is saint joseph radio presents coming to you live from saint louis missouri the rome of the west and we're here with mr mueller Miller, I have to say Miller, right? You don't have to, but uh, I'm annoying you, aren't I? <laughs> no, it's, ah, all right. it's all right. It's all right. It's all right. This, this is an ongoing battle. If you're from my hometown, <laughs> it's a, it's an ongoing battle. You spell it M U E. You know, when I ask people to spell it, you say it Miller, but whatever. It's too much fun. That's all I got to say. And we're talking about how to uh, live a good Catholic life with a little bit of an acronym, as, as you often do: Spire, spiritual, physical, intellectual, 
relational. Relational, and it's all relational, isn't it? And evangelical. Yeah. So when you think about the spiritual life, too, it is a relationship. And in the words of Pat Benatar, love is a battlefield. So there's a great, you know, if anybody wants to really get into the spiritual life on prayer, I find few things better than that last section of the catechism. You know, some people think, oh, the catechism is too tough. It's kind of dry. I don't understand the vocabulary. We'll start in the in the part four with prayer. And it talks about all the objections to prayer that we have. You know, being too busy. What does it produce? I'm distracted. I'm dry. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm like, so at the end of the day, I always say, Prayer is an act of love. It's an act of love. You know, it's, it's an act of gratitude for God to try and just say, I'm going to spend time with you. Could you imagine saying, I'm going to spend time with you only when I get something out of it, only when I feel like it, only when it works for me, only when it pleases me? It's like, that's not a relationship. So, so really, prayer is this act of love. And you can't really say it's, um, you can't really gauge anything about feelings, you know. Anybody that really gauges prayer by feelings, <laughs> you know, it's just like any relationship. There's going to be honeymoon experiences and there's going to be dry times. This is life. This but is that's marriage. Love, but that's love, too. That's love. love is an act of the will too it's an act of the will yeah so but in the church's life i mean uh, a great book to pick up is called the how-to book of catholic devotions and they've got all things from like what is a morning offering what is the rosary how do you make an act of faith how do you pray at mealtimes litanies novenas daily mass divine office holy hours stations of the cross chaplets you know all that stuff it's a great book and someone gave it to me as a gift it it, it it's so rich. Yeah. Yeah. Because it exposes you to like this whole life. So again, I have this S that's a a simple beginning of this acronym. But when you open that up, you've got massive, beautiful things. You're like, some people have heard of the acronym ACTS, Adoration, Contrition, Supplication, Petition. That's a, uh, I'm sorry, Adoration, Contrition, Thanksgiving, Supplication. That's a beautiful little simple formula for for prayer. Uh, Matthew Kelly's got this thing called the prayer process which if you've read his book, that's a beautiful, simple way of praying. There is no real formula for prayer because it's just like saying, if I'm going to go out with somebody, I'm not, there's no formula for hanging out, but there should be some kind of a, some kind of a guide, you know, and I think these things can help us. Yeah. Father Larry Richards in his book uh, that's, uh, that's um, named Prayer, uh, specifically looking at men, says, look, you men need a time and a place. Mm-hmm. You have a time and a place, that means you'll do it. Yeah. And then everything flows from there. Yeah. Just do it. Just do it. So whether you feel whatever, work your way into it, no matter what time you're spending, just make sure you do it. I mean, the real hallmark is to pray until prayer becomes a joy for you. Because when you begin to long for prayer, when you begin to say, I need to set time for the silence, when your heart cultivates the joy that comes from the relationship with the Lord, it's like any relationship. I want to spend time with this person because, wow, this is a gift. So there's also great books like Prayer and Temperament or The Temperament God Gave You. It helps you to understand kind of yourself and, and what's what's prayer. Like, I, and I always tell my kids, you know, we, we've prayed the rosary or parts of the rosary their whole life. It's part of our family life and whatnot, you know, and we've, we've done all, <laughs> so many different ways of praying. But I'm like, look, when you're on your own, <clears throat> don't torture yourself with what you think a prayer form should be. Pray in a way that gives you joy. You know, that would enjoy the time if it's if it's walking and and looking at the start, if it's spontaneous prayers, if it's the rosary, if it's a devotion, if it's scripture reading. I mean, I always love it to think about like one of my favorite ways to pray is really just reading the scriptures because it's being silent. You're at the feet of the Lord. He's talking to you. My image of, of the Lord, my favorite is really Christ, the teacher. Uh, you know, it's one of the things I do is teach. But I mean, I love to be taught by him. 
but it's that you should do what brings you joy, not like, oh, it's prayer time, it's torture. Like we always kind of joke when our kids were little and <laughs> still sometimes they will say, all right, time for prayer, and then whoosh, they're gone. It's like I, I, I know this guy who, was a, who works at a funeral home. Uh-huh. And he's not Catholic, but he says, when the Knights of Columbus come in, they say, all right, we're going to pray the rosary in 20 minutes. Also, wow, oh, it is like someone just yelled fire. You know, and you're like, wow, is that our aspect, our feelings of what prayer is? Well, and I don't know, but you know what? I, I had a similar experience, but we need to try different things. I was in New Orleans last week and uh, a little hole in the wall restaurant. You know what I had? I don't know, whatever they recommended. Prayer is the same thing. You don't know whether you're going to love it until you try it. That's right. You yeah. need you need yeah. to just try something differently. I, I yeah. was at a, a, a golf tournament charity event um, uh, organizing committee meeting, and I suggested that all the dads get together and pray the rosary before. Mm-hmm. You thought I'd have, I was Eddie Murphy. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, the, the roar was incredible and, and, the ridi- <laughs> and the ridicule. And I'm even laughing. I thought, wow, that, those, that's pretty good rib. <laughs> Until one guy at the other end of the room said, oh, the guy says, oh, you mean the whole rosary? <laughs> yeah, like heaven forbid. And then one of the guys said, well, it doesn't take that long. I, I start it in the morning and I'm done after, before I'm done shaving. Another guy says, well, you know, I say it every day in the way they work. And by the time you got to the end of this, yeah. half of the men there said the rosary every day. Yeah. Open your hearts to That's it. That's right. Yeah, it's good stuff. So, um, Especially, I think it's a beautiful prayer the rosary is for family prayer. Like they say, a family that prays together stays together. You know, it's it's good. I always recommend, man, if, if you can set aside part of your home to make it a little chapel area, whether you got a chair, whether you got statues, candles, whatnot, but or like they say, a family altar can alter a family. So it's like mm. you got to pray even if it's a struggle. I mean, do it. We all know labor pains uh, bring great fruit in, in, in life. So, I mean, again, that's kind of a summary of, of, the, of the spiritual. There's so much more you can say, but that's a little taste. So we got the first letter now. The first letter. Are we doing okay on time? <laughs> Not even close. This might be a two-parter here. But, but that's good. Spiritual. We, well, and we have to begin with prayer. We have to begin with the spiritual. Yeah. Yeah, and then it links into physical because, you know, body and soul are linked. You know, if you're not in some way, I don't know, fit or at least engaged, you're not going to have the energy to want to do things. You know, our, we got to get our bodies in line. we got to get blood pumping through our hearts and brains. And so uh, I just read a book last night by Bishop Thomas Peprocki, and he goes running uh-huh. for a higher purpose. So he's run like 24 marathons. Yeah, yeah. Isn't he the Bishop of Springfield? Uh, in I'm not. Yeah, I think so. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Springfield, Illinois. Right. right. So yeah. hockey player, too. Yeah. Yeah. He's been playing hockey for years. So he's just writes about the link between body and soul. And, uh, you know, it's it's easy for us to kind of let ourselves <laughs> go. You know, like there's a there's a story about this woman. She goes, when I married you, you had a six pack. Now you've got a keg. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's like you can let yourself go in the physical life. You can let yourself go in the spiritual life. And uh, but. We, we got to get back to it, you know, and so I thought, you know, there's quite a bit of us that maybe are a little bit, uh, how do you say it, not in the uh, paradigm of, of what's meant to be fit, but they say move more, eat less, get your heart beating fast maybe once a day, motion is the potion. So Matthew Kelly says that, you know, really exercise once a week, every week for the entire year. He said, you decide what the exercise is. You know, would we like more energy? And he goes, think about the food we eat. You know, would you give your million-dollar or quarter horse uh, <laughs> going to the drive through at McDonald's? So he's like, um, you know, just to kind of get fit, to, to, to strive, um, because we know when we got the energy, we can pray, you know. So 
one person he said those who do not uh, take find time to take exercise must find time to be ill. Uh-huh. So that's really good. Now I, I joke because granted everybody's in a different place. We're in a cult of the body these days where everybody's worried about how they look and whatnot. And I always think about this one priest, Father Stephen Barham. He was a real heavy set priest and he goes, Yeah, a lot of people joke about my weight. He goes, But you know, if the body's a temple of the Holy Spirit, why settle for a prayer chapel when you can have a basilica? Yeah, well. <laughs> you know. But but anyways, you know, that's not really the, the goal in the sense of trying to say, I want to stay fit. To give me the energy to kind of motivate. And that's and that's in the whole spiritual life of works of charity and, and, and love. You know, if you're struggling just to get off the couch, you got some issues there. So, you know, and then I think about like um, in the spiritual realm, too, we talk about not eating at times. That's called self-denial. We call it fasting. Really, the only difference between dieting and fasting is intention when you get down to it. That's interesting. So yeah. why not, you know, just say, um, I'm going to spiritually offer up certain things. You know, I'm not going to maybe eat a meal here or whatever, just to kind of get in that mentality. I mean, the church's wisdom is good to know that just like when we have to fast before Holy Communion, mm-hmm. there's something about the self-denial that makes you more aware of the spiritual realm. It's the sacrifice that precedes the sacrament. So I think we all know that when you are got a full belly and, and whatnot, your head's not as clear, you know. If you if you drank a little bit too much that before, your head's not you're not really focused the day after. <laughs> there's a lot of science to it too. Here at Saint uh, at uh, Wash U, there's a, a PhD MD who actually has arrived at certain conclusions about fasting. But one of the things he says is that you do think clearer yeah. and your body grows better. But with regard to fasting, every time you feel hungry, you're remembering why you're yeah, feeling that's hungry. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some great wisdom there about like, you know, what is, what does this all lead to? So we all know it leads to greater uh, health and well-being in time and in eternity. Uh, yeah. When I, when I go here to this next point to intellectual, um, there's this, there's this book that a seminarian that we both know, Josh Dieters, gave yeah. it's called the intellectual life and it's by a, a, a French priest. And he said that, uh, he said, a thinker does not spend his life in the process of digestion. <laughs> you know that like, is your body always continually digesting food? You know, because, uh, there's something about, and he, he really recommends, you know, in, in terms of like the intellectual life. Not just principles for study, but also like, you know, kind of training your body to, um, you know, be more receptive to the truths that you learn. You know, it's interesting. You think about the senses that we have, you know, um, eye, light, ear, sound, nose, smell, mouth, taste, body, touch. What about the mind? That's right. It's truth. And to really seek the truth, you got to kind of prepare for it. So, yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. I remember someone once said, if you don't feel like you have any time during the day, you can't get one more thing in. That means you have to pray. Well, if you only pray 10 minutes, we'll pray 20, right? Yeah. And it's the same thing physically. If you don't have enough time during the day, you have to exercise. Yeah. I don't have time. Well, now all of a sudden you have more time. You have clarity. And speaking of clarity, we'll be back in just two minutes. Would you please tell some of your friends that you're here listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents? And we're having a little bit of a guide toward living the good Catholic life. And we have a way of remembering that. Spire, S-P-I-R-E, mm-hmm. spiritual, physical intellectual, relational, and evangelical. So come on back in two minutes and bring a friend, please. See you soon. 
Looking for a way to teach your children about our Catholic faith? Colby Academy has the solution, offering a curriculum that is loyal to the magisterium, classical, Ignatian, flexible, and affordable. Colby can help with all your homeschooling needs. We offer a wide range of services, including live online courses for those looking for assistance teaching their students, recorded self-paced courses for those who want teacher instruction while needing the flexibility to move at their own pace, and traditional homeschool courses for maximum flexibility and home education. Our support services include advising for parents, record keeping and transcript services, a grading service, standardized testing, and guidance and college counseling. For more information, check out their website at colby.org. That's K-O-L-B-E dot org. Or give them a call. Area code 707-255-6499. That's 707-255-6499. It's Colby Academy. St. Joseph Catholic Radio is proud to announce the launch of SJEN-TV, the St. Joseph Evangelization Network. SJEN-TV is a premier online Catholic broadcasting network providing quality Catholic programming 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. We have programming such as live studio interviews, St. Joe's Java speaker presentations, current Catholic issues, and the Pro-Life series. We're featuring the many talented speakers out of Orange County, California, and this Archdiocese of St. Louis, Missouri including Professor John Gresham, Father James Mason, Karen Nokemper, Rick Hollerick, Bill Federer, and many more. To review the program list, go to sjen.tv or on Roku, sjen.tv. All this programming is free, and we are welcoming sponsorship of new programs. Find out more at sjen.tv. And there's times when we are. <laughs> right. And we are back. Welcome to St. Joseph Radio Presents. I'm your host, Peter Karutz, and we're here live with Sean Mueller, who is the DRE over at Immaculate Heart, and we are talking about how to live the Catholic mm-hmm. life and, 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 and a guide, really. There's, as you said in the beginning, there is so much there, but how do you narrow it down? Give us right. a couple of things to do and think about and remember. Spire is what we're talking about. We are on I. Yeah, but real quick, it's kind of a bridge of that. Uh, one priest one time said, in terms of physical and in relation to spiritual, he said, pray as you eat. Pray as you eat. He said, if you prayed, <clears throat> if you ate only as much as you prayed, how hungry would you be? Mm. Would you be suffering from spiritual malnutrition? So he said, a good rule of thumb is like, okay, how much do you eat a day? Are you spending that much time in praying? I got more praying to do. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we were talking about um, the intellectual. And this is so important because, you know, when the Lord said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, he added the word mind. Uh, and you know, to love the Lord with our mind. And I think about all the filth and trash and garbage and trivial pursuits we put in our mind. And then, you know, like a uh, great book, Theology and Sanity, Frank Sheed, he said, if God were God, wouldn't be it be odd to want to know everything, to not know, to not want to know everything available about him? You know, and so it's amazing to me, you know, and granted, of course, I'm working in it, religi- religious education, that just the lack of a desire to want to know uh, the Lord and his will and, and stuff. And, and even like just in general, like the sciences too and and study um it's just like you know every time we study whatever the science might be this is god's creation and it's just a wild thing that i think that we're so become just kind of used to just flipping channels of stuff that's man-made created that's not really taking an active 
you know, really looking at what is good, true, and beautiful. So just like prayer, study is an act of, of love. And uh, Matthew Kelly speaks about that in, in his uh, book, Four Signs, that, you know, that basically we're, we're made to study. And he really challenges people to read. There's a, there's a, a, a good website. Uh, you might have heard of Brandon Vaught. He works with the Bishop Barron. He's got uh, this website called ClaritasU.com. And, mm. and one of his initial programs is called Read More Books Now. He's got, he just said he, he, he reads about 75 books a year. And he kind of wow. says how he does that based upon he never used to read that much. But then you know, he, he talks about tips about building a library, always have a book with you, you know, have a certain shelf, you know, and different principles of reading because, you know, again, if you're not keeping your mind engaged, it's easy for it, like a muscle, right? Mm-hmm. It can turn pretty, pretty family. But uh, think about all these great thinkers of our times, you know, from the Dr. Craved and Fulton Sheens, Dr. Petrie, Bishop Barron, Dr. Hahn, Matthew Kelly, Jason Everett, you know, even on the Protestant side, Lee Strobel, William Lane Craig, Stephen Meyer. Of course, the one to always go to is the master, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, if you're going to read. I'm amazed at all the guys that I know who I really like. They all, like, love Aquinas. Well, of course. And so he's the master, so that's something to kind of put on the plate. i got to do that myself, too. And But I think about this, like, if we're going to be able to articulate the faith, we got to know it. And then I always go back to the story where this uh, violin master, he played this beautiful concert, and this man came up to him after and says, wow, what a gift. I would give everything to have a gift like that. And he goes, well, how about eight to 10 hours of practice a day for that's 40 right. years? Yeah, that's what it'll you know. Be. So we expect it to become easy with learning this stuff, but we got to really study. I mean, books change our lives. And um, the gift of it today is we've got God who came to give us a revelation. You know, we know what the mind has in mind. Christ is the mind of God and he gave, it's a very great luxury. And yet we shank it. Yeah. Yeah. And and aside from books, there's other things we can do too. Maybe an odd segue, but you know, lectures are good too. And that gets a little bit of an interrelationship there. On uh, July 2nd and 3rd at St. Angela Marisi, there's going to be on uh, first Friday because it is first Friday. There's going to be mass and holy hour. I don't know if anyone has ever done holy hours. It's a, it's a great thing. Mm-hmm. And then on first Saturday, which would be the next day, there's going to be a speaker. Uh, it's uh, uh, Mr. Rupp, Stephen Rupp. He used to be the uh, director of the Saint Vincent de Paul S- S- Society, and he's now presently the director and president of the Saint of the Missouri Right to Life. So that's okay. Steve Rupp. Everyone probably knows him. And he's going to be talking about God, family, and country. So that's at St. Angela Marisi, 2nd and 3rd, Friday evening and Saturday morning. And every Saturday is a Marian feast, right? So yep. come to first Saturday at St. Angela Marisi. Well, it's amazing. You know, when I was at Easter Vigil, <clears throat> you know, we read, I think, from Baruch. The only time we do it, I think, is on Easter Vigil. And there's a line that says, Blessed are we, O Israel, for what pleases God is known to us. And like, when you think about that line, like, you know, we're fortunate. We've got this order of knowledge we call revelation where God has taken the time to reveal himself in word and deed in the person of Christ definitively, but we've got these scriptures. And then to never take the time to know how to, to, to study that, to know what pleases God. I mean, it really kind of blows you away when you step back and think about it. Like God Almighty gave us a plan for life and we never really take the time to say, eh, I'm going to find out what that's about. It's like, imagine a great, 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 great grandpa leaving you a letter for the family about his life and what he thinks is the purpose of life. It's like, eh, that's an old letter. Who cares? So we've, we've got, I mean, scripture and tradition, you know, especially like the Bible, the catechism in this treasure. But, you know, it's like some people just say, I don't really want to be bothered. And I, I think about this quote by uh, 
St. John Henry Newman. He mm. said it great. He says, I want a laity, not arrogant, not rash in speech, not disputatious, but men who know their religion, who enter into it, who know just where they stand, who know what they hold and what they do not. And he gives this whole just challenge to say, know your faith. So Matthew Kelly really lays it out there. Like he said, if you would just read a little bit a day, he talks about the 7% of highly engaged Catholics. You know, they, they, they all read at least a certain amount of time every day. And then he kind of does the math. He said that um, if you read five pages of a great book every day, that's 1,825 pages in a year, 18,250 pages in a decade, and 45,000 pages over 25 years. That's 228 books with an average length of 200 pages. You know what I mean? It's like I took up that Brandon Vaughn's challenge, and last year I read about 50 or 60 books. Wow. And uh, I mean, but it's not really, you think about it, it's difficult. it seems to be difficult, but it's like if you just... And it's not that you got to have this great memory to recall them all, but you can take notes and, and have little tips there. It's good stuff. But like you said about the spiritual and the physical, once you start doing it, it yeah. it's like a snowball. It, it just is. keeps going. You find out, wow, I love this. Yeah. And it kind of ties into our next point, relational, is that if I'm going to, if I love someone, I'm going to spend time with them. You know, so you think about relational, not just with God. So, I mean, relationship with God is prayer, it's study, it's a spiritual life, but it's also then love of neighbor. You know, like I said, how can you love God whom you don't see if you love, if you don't love your neighbor whom you do? You think about Matthew 25, Jesus basically said, if you don't love your neighbor, you know, feed the hungry, drink to the thirsty, you don't do it to me. So that's like, we got to do this. It's the whole corporal and spiritual works of mercy. It's acts of charity relationship is an act of love. And I find that, you know, oftentimes we're in a position now where we have to really initiate more because society is different. It's more cautious, scared. It's more like I'm afraid to be out with other people. It's more like in the COVID pandemic way, like don't breathe on me and stuff. And it's like, we got to get out there and, and be more active well, and, and friends and strangers alike. Absolutely. And and this is not something esoteric, something that, that you know, high up in the, you know, it's a goal. It's just something you really need to do. I was I was telling Sean before I came in here, I wound up over at a place called Claver House this morning. I was delivering some socks. And and it's a it's a little it's a house. It's next to St. Matthew's on Sarah Street. Uh, and what do they do here? It's little, it's small, but they have a food pantry. And then they have an after-school program where they have kids learning to read better. They have robotics. There's an, I met an electrical engineer over there. This is little. The place is not much bigger than the room we're in here. Mm-hmm. And they do so much. Well, are they doing a great deal? No. They're doing a little bit. Yeah. They're doing a little bit. You know, and, and I, I, I know I'm taking off your game here, but I think this is a moment where we all can ask ourselves, what is God asking us to do? Mm-hmm. Are we going to change our world and the neighborhood all by ourselves? Uh, I don't know, but it starts with one person. If yeah. the Lord is tapping you on the shoulder, do it. Yeah. Do it. Go go volunteer at St. At, 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 um, well, here at St. Joseph Radio. Come on over and volunteer. We need volunteers. <laughs> or, or, or Claver House, where they're helping the poor in a little way. Yeah. Just do it. Just start, and you'll find incredible benefits. You know, Steve Rupp, I mentioned, is going to be speaking, and he was the um, director of the St. Vincent de Paul Society. And I remember the first time he spoke, he talks about the people who are volunteering at St. Uh, Vincent de Paul. And he, said, he, he asks a question. He says, who are you helping? Everybody had an answer. God's people, the children of God, everybody. He says, no, you're helping yourself. Mm-hmm. 
You're doing what God wants you to do. You're making a difference in the lives of those people. No, yes, you are. But you're making a difference in your own life. You know, charity begins with the question, Lord, what do you want me to do with all the gifts you've given to me? And you think about this. I mean, I I, I always have a lot of fun with this because, like, um, in in terms of – I, I deal with older people, too, and they have grandkids. They talk about their kids are away from the faith and whatnot, their own kids or grandkids. And, and then, you know, there's a great principle that I've heard. It says, give people what they need wrapped in what they want. Oh. And, and I was talking about this. I was like, could you imagine, let's say, your grandma, your grandpa, you got a college kid. You know they're away from the faith. Maybe they're living together with somebody. What if you dropped 100 bucks in a car and, and just encouraged them and say, you know, I, I really hope you, you, you stay faithful. I'm praying for you. You know, some, you know Or you can have a piece of wisdom in, in a way that only you know how to deliver it, but wrap it in some cash you know, or wrap it in something that can really say, wow, they're willing to do both and, body and soul, you know, and that it's not just this sense of lecture, but like, wow. And then, you know, if that was done, use like there's the parable of the uh, steward with the dishonest wealth. Yeah, Jesus right. says, use your wealth to influence. Now, I'm not talking about just bribing and stuff like that, but it's like, we all know that money and meals and gifts and things, it, it does influence if it's done with the right motive too, you know? And it's like, why not do that? Why not just give people what they need, wrapped in what they want, wrap it in gifts and love and charity and time and whatnot. But it's like, you know, for a college kid, it's always star for cash. That's a great thing to do. Cash is good it's the gift that keeps on giving but so do kind words you don't you right. you don't know what uh how you can change a circumstance with yeah. a kind word and look look I, I i've been annoyed at a couple of people lately and I, I i've been reflecting on that i need to change that to kind words yeah you know get the devil out of the circumstance if repay kind right what is it to repay ill will it, Bad treatment with kindness. Bless those who persecute you. <laughs> yeah, well, but it, it it isn't something that you're doing out of, you know, uh, self uh, loathing, if you will. You're not a rug. Quite frankly, it does good. It bears fruit. It works. Kindness. When you yeah. get paid difficulties yep. with kindness, it works. And everybody's got to do this. I mean, right now there is a cancel culture, not just in the culture, but in families. And it's like saying, if I don't agree with you, you're done. There's not an ability anymore to learn how to work things out. And it is difficult. I get it. You know, we're in it our own self and our own family. But it's like, you know, we, we got to get like uh, – this priest that I work with, Father Tom, we always joke, like, remember the song, I'm walking on sunshine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, now, now at family events, it's I'm walking on eggshells. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm afraid to say anything, dude. You know, you're like, are we that way that our th- our skin is so thin that we can't handle anything? Are we all in a waiting to be offended culture? Yeah. It's like rise above because relationships, we know are painful or hurtful. I mean, even with God, we're, we're, we're mad at him sometimes because we don't understand. We don't understand how he's working. But you th- we're all going to hurt somebody, right? You know, it's just that's that's the nature of life and love. We're products of original sin. But, like, let's rise above and say, okay, in the big scheme of things, 90% is still an A. So if I blow at 10% or I don't say the kind words all the time or I didn't say it the right way and the right word, whatever, Okay, I'm still getting an A. You know? So look at the big picture. It's like parenting. We think we would all fail if they say, oh, I remember that time, Mom, when you spanked me when I was three. Like, wow, that's the one thing that's going to stand out of a lifetime of caring for you and loving you and feeding you and doing all these things for you. You know what I'm saying? But that's human nature. So there's a – Bishop Barron's got this great talk. It's called uh, The Transcendent Third. And this is really beautiful for, for uh, relationships, especially for husband and wife. He said, if you think about a triangle – got a husband and wife at the bottom, and you think about God at top, is that the closer they get to God, 
the closer they actually get to each other. You know, and that, like you said, there's Aristotle's got this principle of the transcendent third, where like anybody who is friends, if they have some kind of a hobby or something higher outside of themselves that they're both aspiring to, and it could be anything, it could be a sport, it could be a book, it could be a hobby, whatever, that they're actually closely, you know, getting closer to each other. So think about your relationships with, you know, spouse, kids, whatever, and say, what can I do? That they love, that I can love, that we can get closer together. Like this guy at work, it was great. He said that when he got married, he took on one or two hobbies that his wife did so that he could get closer to her through that hobby. Stuff that he never wanted to do, you know, but he began to love it. And then he began to get closer to her, you know. So I think that's a great principle in terms of like relational stuff. And it's great if it's at the higher road of spiritual friendship. Because, man, if you got a friend that you know is... Is, is striving to get to God, and you know that that friendship can handle good times and the bad, sickness and in health. That's that's great. So you'd hope that spouses would have that. You'd hope that other friends would have that there too. So when I was talking to Father Tom about this talk, and I said, hey, what would you say about relationships? And he says, you know, mention maybe the 12-step program. Oh, really? Because he said, uh, you know, a lot of relationships have been broken, and if you, if you go through those 12 steps, you know, it's admitting there's a higher power, but then kind of like, trying to repent and make amends for the things you've done wrong. You know, we oftentimes we got to think everyone's got to come to us without looking at the man in the mirror. You know, he also mentioned like the 12 rules for life by Jordan Peterson. That's kind of a real paradigm of relationships. When you really look at those things, they're, they're tools to kind of help us to say, yeah, what, what kind of relationship do I have? How do people perceive me? Do I need to repent? What do I need to do to initiate love? Because I find more and more, we really got to be as believers, the ones who are actively initiating and engaging. If we're going to wait for the world to come to us, you know, just like in the church, it's called evangelization, initiation. It's called charity. It's called love. It's a decision. And it might not ever be reciprocated. You know? That's right. Yeah. But you got to say, well, I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for the cause. So. Yep. And let me tell you about another thing that you can do for the cause. Uh, we had the Catholic Man of the Year just recently, uh, but now here in St. Louis, we're going to have the St. Louis Catholic Woman of the Year. Uh, we need your nominations. If you know a good woman, we all know good women. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But please, uh, that that is what we need to do. We need to put these folks out there so that they will be an example to others, right? Uh, and and just remember, if you ask to nominate them, they will say, oh, no, I don't want to. Well, we need to. Yep. So please um, nominate them. You can find the nomination form on our website at saintjosephradio.net, or you can call us here at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. You can also get a copy of any this program or any other program. I would get one of this one. So please call us at 636-447-6000, 636-447-6000. So we've got about, what, maybe five or ten minutes left here? Uh, about, just about. So uh, maybe I'll just go right in to, you know, summarize this um, R. Really, life is, it's all about relationships. It is. You think about when you're on your deathbed, what do you care about? It's relationships. That's it, you know. And they say people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So we really got to say, if I'm going to try and be an influence in this person's life, do I really show something more than just I want to try and win a convert, you know, or whatnot? So when, when we're talking about E, evangelical, this is following from the Great Commission, Matthew 28, 20. Go, therefore, teach all nations, baptizing them, make disciples. Uh, people don't really realize this, but the church exists to evangelize. I mean, when you get down to it, Christ 
gave the church, gave his life to atone for sins and, and to give us life in the spirit. And it's up to the church, his members of the body, to communicate that to the world. So in a summary statement, it says the church's mission, simply put, is to help as many people on earth to get to heaven as possible before the world is shut down and Jesus comes to glory to judge the living and the dead. So we got to get out of ourselves, And, um, you know, there there is... Some people have heard of this guy. His name is Penn Gillette. I think it's called Penn and Teller. He's oh, got yeah, this. Right. He's got this. Um, it's this quote in the book "Why We're Catholic" by Trent Horn, and he says this great line. Now he himself is a non-believer. That's for sure. <laughs> but this guy uh, tried to give him a uh, Bible after one of his shows. He's very sincere. It really moved him. And and he, he said this. He said um, I'm at, he 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 told the story about what what this meant to him. He goes, I've always said, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not, getting eternal life or whatever, and you think it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wow. And then I think about, you know, when you look at the Christ of the cross, it's like he must have come to save us from something incomprehensibly horrible if God was willing to become man to do that for us. So we like, you know, the, the mission isn't just to save people from, you know, eternal ruin, but it's to give them a life of grace that starts. I mean, heaven begins now. And that's what really evangelization is, is trying to say, I want to have the God life incarnate in you because this is happiness. This is truth. This is beauty. This is goodness. And we do this in all aspects of life. We want it, we want people to live life to its fullest, right? And you Absolutely. have people on the internet and everywhere else. They're talking about, you know, you have the workout guys. They show. I want to show you how I did this. I want you to share the joy, the physical fitness that I have. Yeah. You have somebody who wants to teach you how to make a gazillion dollars in real estate. I've done it. I want to show you. We want to share the good things that we have. We even do it in the simple things, a restaurant, right? Yeah. Found this great re- I found this great restaurant. I don't know if you know about it, but the food is incredible. The service is unbelievable. And it's free. I'm fed. Spiritually in the church. Yeah. It's free. Yeah. The service is great. The, you know, the material is unbelievable. It, it, it's, it's something we should want to share. Yeah, and I, I think uh, once you have a conversion experience of sorts and you see what the Lord has done for your life, it should flow naturally. I mean, and again, I think you got to get people to start thinking about the higher things. Set your mind on things that are above. We're talking about eternity here. Mm-hmm. This life is a puff of smoke when you get down to it. So like, okay, you know. We're going to all, we all know we have to give an account. You know, Christ is going to come to judge the living and the dead. It's instinctive in us. You know, we all know it. There's a sense of natural law of justice. And we've got a means of being able to have that wiped clean and be free and be filled. And this is eternal life in Christ. He comes to us in this gift of the Mass, the sacraments, Eucharist, confession. We got a sacrament that says that I'm a ball of imperfection called confession. So it's like, why not share that thing? Now, one of the things, there's a great book out there just to recommend it. It says, Biblical Foundations for the Role of Healing in Evangelization. And it's by Father Matthias Thielen. And he really talks about how we need to really call on the Spirit to really offer opportunities for healing for people, physical, spiritual, mental, but that it's but it's to create these almost like healing services. Say, God, we're going to create an environment for you to come alive because those things are powerful moments where someone feels love in time 
and then it really flows out into eternity. I mean, if somebody goes to a prayer service and gets healed in some way, shape, or form, they know that they're loved concretely in the here and now. You know, we all have moments where we sense someone's love here and now through friendship, relationship, whatnot. But this is a great book to read just to talk about the role of really praying for healing for people for healing. So just want to kind of conclude with some of Matthew Kelly's comments about uh, evangelization, because he said that of all the different uh, signs, this was the weakest. He said that, uh, I think he was asked, have you ever been taught to evangelize? And everybody's like 99% said no. So he said that it really begins with friendship, you know, uh, and while this is the weakest link, he asked him, like, you know, well, how do you share your friendship? How do you share the faith with others? Here's a few ideas. When dynamic Catholics were asked what they did to try to share the faith with others, their top six answers were pass books and CDs around, invite people to Catholic events, bring a godly perspective to conversations, learn the Catholic teachings on certain issues and be able to articulate them when the church is attacked are over those social issues and social settings, help people discover answers to the questions that cause them to doubt the faith, and demonstrate the love of God through faithful and generous friendship. So there is all kinds of ways, personally and at the parish level, um, that we can evangelize. Like someone would says, if absence makes the heart grow fonder, then we must be doing a pretty good job in the church, because a lot of times <laughs> we're not doing what we're supposed to. But but now we got all these tools like if your parish has formed.org, that's a right. great tool of just instruction. But I'm just talking about, you know, intellectual stuff. You know, there's um, think about ways that you can do love of God, love of neighbor. Really, a, a great way is some kind of a study, some kind of a scripture study, some kind of a, you know, book studies where you're saying we're learning about God. You know, we're trying to grow close to him and also we're sharing fellowship with one another. This is what kind of like faith formation is. It's, it, and it's kind of a chance to, to do both. I mean, at the parish where I'm at, we kind of joke is that everything we have is always centered around kind of food, <laughs> you know? Is that, but, I mean, people come. Sure. You know, you get food and fellowship, and if you can include a little faith, family, and friends, it's, it's good stuff. So you might just ponder, as a person, as a parish, what can you do to kind of offer and extend a hand to others to invite them to this beautiful faith that we have? Because... Uh, it's awesome. And like you were saying, you know, you just got to take a small step. What can I do? What can I do? What do it. I do? And if you feel tapped on the shoulder, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's the Holy Spirit. Hey, great books, Dynamic Catholic, uh, The Intellectual Life, The Theology, Theology and Sanity. Insanity, yeah. You know, but, you know, Mother Teresa had a wonderful way of evangelizing. She started out by loving the other person. Yeah. I mean, just looking someone in the eyes and, and knowing that you love them and telling them that you love them. That's the beginning of it. So come join us again in a week uh, on St. Joseph Radio Presents and call us anytime and get a copy of this program. 636-447-6000. Call a friend. Tell them to join us again. been listening to St. Joseph Radio Presents from the Rome of the West, St. Louis, Missouri. If you would like to join us in our evangelization efforts, you can order a copy of today's broadcast or any of our past programs by visiting us on our website, stjosephradio.net. That's S-A-I-N-T, josephradio.net. Or call us, 636-447-6000. It's all at your fingertips to help us evangelize the world, bringing the good news of Christ 
to everyone you meet and change one soul at a time. Thank you for your prayers and support. Until next time, may God bless you and your family. This has been a presentation of St. Joseph Radio Presents. Thank you.